Okay, um, I'm just going to... I know why the team weren't going to carry on in worship earlier, because they always get worried when someone's, when someone's like, oh, I'll preach for a bit, and they're like, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you a bit of time so maybe we can get to, a, get to some more singing at the end, and then they're all worried. How long are you going to talk for? I know, if you're sitting here nervous already, how long is he going to talk for? Don't worry. 15, 20 minutes, okay? I'm just gonna, I just want to open up God's word to us. I want to encourage us a little bit this morning. I want to talk into a little bit about why do we get some families up here today? Why do we even pray for some children? No one made children Christians this morning. That's not really what we're in the business of doing. We don't make anyone a Christian. Um, actually, it's the call of God on your life. And for anyone here who's a follower of Jesus, you know that it's in response that God's starting to call you. And then in your heart, you respond in faith and put your hope and trust in Jesus. And our prayer is that those young children would grow up to a point in their own lives where they say, actually, I put my hope and trust in him. Not just that my parents were Christians and someone prayed a prayer for me when I was a kid. Or maybe not just that someone sprinkled a bit of water on me when I was first born and I was christened. But no, I've put my own hope and trust and faith in the person of Jesus. And so that's what we're about. And actually, that's why here, this is a room full of people who are believers and still today are choosing to put their hope and faith in Jesus. Who here this morning is continuing to put their hope and faith in Jesus? There you go. Look, there's a room full of people who are doing that. And I know, as I've said a number of times, I have to wake up every morning and remind myself the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me because I can so easily wake up and go, I'm not going to put my faith and hope in Jesus today. I'm going to put it in cryptocurrency. Or I'm not going to put my hope and faith in Jesus today. I'm going to put it in being a nice person or a liked person in the community. Or I'm not going to put my hope and faith in Jesus today. I'm going to hope that my wife is the person that gives me all the meaning and satisfaction that I need in this life or in my children, or in my home, or in my whatever it will be. So every morning I wake up, and as I brush my teeth, I say to myself, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Because I have to keep doing it. That's what being a follower of Jesus is. Not just a one-time, hey, I think I kind of thought about Jesus at one point. It's a daily walking, putting our hope and trust in Jesus. And he's such a good shepherd to us. He's so kind. He helps to lead us in that. And he, he perseveres with us. Even when we give up on him, he perseveres and walks with us and says, you might have given up on me. I ain't given up on you. And then we turn back to him again and we say, Lord, the life I live, I live by faith. However long it's been. And we come back to Christ once again and he lovingly welcomes us back and we continue to walk out what it is to be followers of Jesus. That is the amazing magnetic person of Christ. And that's what we're going to consider a little bit today. We're going to consider why is Jesus a magnetic person? Why are people still talking about Jesus? Why are people still interested in Jesus? Why do we still spend our Sunday morning singing songs to Jesus? It's because Jesus is a magnetic person. There's something about him that draws people to himself. Something about him that captures our gaze and says, I need to find out more about who this person is. And the danger in lots and lots of ways, probably of the way that you know, sometimes we can copy the world, is that we try and make our Christian communities and our churches based around maybe individual personalities and remove Christ from the very centre of it. Because it can be very easy to start saying, oh, you're a magnetic person, or you're quite a charismatic person, you're quite interested, I want to spend a bit of time around you. That's the way the world works. It works through influences. 
It works through social media following accounts where an individual becomes magnetic for a season. And that person is then able to serve the purposes of advertising companies or the voice to speak into a circumstance or situation for a very short period of time. And you feel like, hang on a minute, I've got my moment and I'm magnetic and I've got something to share. And people seem to be attracted to want to listen to what I've got. And then all of a sudden, the next magnetic person appears. And the next magnetic person takes your place and you think, do you not care about my voice anymore? I thought I was an influencer. I thought I was able to talk to people. I thought that I was of interest. I thought you were really interested in me. Oh, no, no. I just served a purpose for a season. But there's something about the person of Jesus that still for 2,000 years, people are still drawn to him. His influence has not waned. It has not gone up and down. And actually, one of the most fascinating things is when you realize that during the course of the pandemic last year, how do I pray or who is Jesus was one of the most popular Google searches that took place during the course of the pandemic. Why? Because there's a magnetic pull of something about us as created human beings that get drawn towards Maybe this Jesus has got something to say. Maybe there's some truth here in who he is. Maybe there's something about him that causes me to ask questions and want to find out and find out how can I be connected to this person that seems to bring life to so many others. And that's exactly, again, what we, we considered this morning. We thought about the idea that actually Jesus is one who brings life. And life gets expressed through families and new believers and people putting their hope and trust in Jesus and people getting prayed for and being made well. That's life. That's what the Christian faith is meant to all be about, about life. It's not just about death and, oh, he died on a cross. No, he didn't just die on a cross. He rose again. Actually, the good news of the gospel is one that brings us life. It's not meant to be something that brings us to a place of just dying daily to everything that we can't do. Oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that anymore because I'm a Christian. No, but it brings me life in all that I can be and all that I can do and all that I can know in all that he has done on my behalf. And that's liberating because then it's not a a dead, cold religion in which I've got to think about what I've got to abstain from and give up. It's actually one of what do I get to embrace? What do I get to know? What do I get to be freed from so that I can truly live for him? And so that not just that I can live in this life, but so that I can live in the life to come. That is incredible good news. I'm talking really fast. I'm really sorry. I go off on one a bit. You see, what's interesting is uh, in our society, a lot we talk about individuality now. Is anyone here an individual? Yeah, come on, there's a few of you. There's more of you than you you want to admit. (laughs) I've stopped wearing my fancy flashy trainers with the bright colours on them, so I look less, I've moulded more into the crowd. That's what I'm trying to do, like more Steve Jobs, you know, just wear dark clothes and dark shoes. Apparently it's a bit more fashionable now, I don't know, that's what I've heard. Um, But it's interesting because people do... I heard the other day that tattoos are no longer really fashionable because everyone gets a tattoo. So you're not really an individual or a rebel by getting a tattoo anymore because they're like, I've had that tattoo. (laughs) You're not an individual when you do that. But it's such a fascinating one, especially when you spend time with teenagers, the desire for individual expression of who I am, but yet every individual expression of teenagehood is just an expression of it, someone else's expression of, of individuality that gets in between them. You used to think that dyeing your hair pink was some sort of way of being an individual. I promise you there's a group of people who tie their hair pink 
Or there's the rebellious one who only gets one ear pierced rather than both. And you think, no, 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 you're not that, you're not that much of an individual. But that gets spoken into us so much. Express yourself. You know, I'm, we've, we're sort of through the Disney phase. Do you reckon we're through the Disney phase? Uh, you know, we still have to watch a bit of Disney with the kids, but we're almost through the Disney phase. Praise. Thank you, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry for anyone that's still in the Disney phase that has to watch Disney films. But Disney very much preaches a gospel to our children continuously that what you're searching for is deep inside. And if you can find out who you were truly created to be and express it to the world, then the world's really going to love you and you're going to be happy. Hey, has anyone, I don't know, I tried that for a bit. It's all right. <laughs> you find pretty quickly the world doesn't really care about your individuality or who you really are. Or actually, you haven't really got very much inside. You look in there and you think, I thought I was deeper than this. I thought I was more interesting. I thought there was something more in here that the world was going to embrace and love. And it didn't. Or maybe it did for a season and now it doesn't anymore. And that's okay. Because that's the world's gospel. That's the world that we live in. And, and one of the sad things is, is that almost this drive towards individuality, actually what it produces, because everything that goes into the machine comes out the other end. And so actually what you put into the machine is a desire for individuality, but what comes out the other end is a lot of isolation. It's a really interesting like, little, little thing here. We're now much more isolated as a people than we've ever been. Even though we've got huge ways to connect and we've got a huge desire to express ourselves as individuals, we seem to have lost that sense of community and oneness with one another because there's been this desire to say, but I must be me. You do you. And you're like, okay, I'll do me on my own and you do you on your own. And I don't know quite know where we're connected anymore. And actually the real danger is, is that you could even see that church is a way about connecting. And it kind of is. But that's not the primary purpose of what church is all about. Church is not really all about just finding a community. The world offers you community all over the place. You know, you walk into Greg's bakery and they'll offer you a community that you can be part of and, and join in with. You, you go to any sort of initiative or pop-up or charity or moment or community or thing that goes on and everyone's offering community. Everyone is. Because we long for it. We long to be connected to other people. And the real danger is we could make church very much a nice community. We could have food with each other. We kind of like each other a bit. You know, we turn up, we might dress in similar ways and sort of fit in. And if this isn't quite my community, it's all right. Because there's another church that I can be part of. And that might connect with my community a bit better than the other one. And the season of life I'm in, I found it easier to connect in this one than that one. And there's a real danger that often what we're trying to get is this idea of fulfilling in us this desire to not be isolated, to not be on our own, to not be cut adrift but instead to be connected to others. But the massive danger is that actually we are not magnetic in and of ourselves. We're not just able to connect and make community through having good systems, structures, like charismatic personalities that people want to be around, hunter-gatherer leaders that are just brilliant at drawing a crowd. All of that stuff can help build community, but the very essence and at the very, very heart of church and of Christian community is always Jesus. Always. Every time, because Jesus is the magnet at the very center of what we're all about. He is the one that, I think it's John 12 that just says, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. 
That's what happens with Jesus. When you elevate him, when you lift him up, he draws all people unto himself. Because he's a magnet. He is a magnetic personality. And actually there's this huge part of him where he says, I know you as an individual. I embrace your individuality. I know you are a major individual. Every fingerprint, you don't need to find a way of being an individual because your fingerprint is different from someone else's. Your structure of DNA that's built into you is individual to who you are. I've created you with individuality. You don't need to go and find it. I've already made you in that sense as an individual. But I haven't just made you for individuality. I've made you for purpose and for intention to be built into a people. It's what God was always about as well, saying, I rescue you and save you as an individual. There's a, there's a little parable that talks about one sheep that goes astray. And what, is, what does the good shepherd do? He doesn't say, oh, I've got 99. I don't care about the one. He says, no, no, even when one has gone astray, I go and find it and bring it back into the fold. Because God is deeply interested in individuality, but he never leaves us as individuals. He draws us unto himself. And once we're drawn to him, we then get connected into a family, into a people, into God's people. And actually, that's what his story has always been about, about not being an exclusive community in which we say, well, no, this is just our own. It's an inclusive community in which we say, you are an individual known and loved by God, and you can be drawn into the people of God. Libby Fleming knew that. She was an individual in many ways. Very much a personality we saw, but she knew what it was to welcome. I've got an amazing, I'm going to read it to, to Libby's niece when I see her next week. So someone, don't read all of them, but you can go on there and read like Google reviews on the church here. They're interesting, you know, because you get, you know, it's people's opinions of church. Oh, it was all right, but that, that singing thing was a bit rubbish. You get reviews like that, or didn't mind the singing, but he talked for too long. You, you get, you get some are a bit ruder than that. I won't read them all. Um, but one lady on a Google review of us recently, I was, it was about two years ago, said, um, this church community is amazing. Um, I just want to, and especially Libby Fleming, who basically ran King's English and made me feel so welcome when she came into King's English lessons. So, you know, man, like Libby lives on and our Google reviews, it's there. But again, because she knew it, she knew that she was loved by God. But then this beautiful part is going, I don't have to feel like because I'm loved by God, you can't, there's no space for you in this deal as well. It wasn't like, oh, I've just, you know, it's just a me and God thing and he hasn't quite got enough to go around. So if you could find your own God, please. She's like, no, no, there's room. <laughs> Come on in. Come and be welcomed. Come and be included into the covenant promises of God, the people of God. And it's a beautiful thing to see because actually what you realise and how we're going to finish our meeting in a minute is actually we're going to do this because this thing is all about communion. And what you realise is that when we get drawn towards individuality and that can lead to isolation, Jesus says, come to me and we're going to have a meal together. Meals on your own are pretty boring. Or they're just, they're, they're, they're depressing in lots of ways. Don't we just sit and just think, another night of just food on my own. Isn't that an interesting thing in our society? How much now we just have, you know, individual meals. Just put it into the microwave and just, I just pop the top. And you look at it, you just think, That's, that can be sad at moments. But Jesus draws us to a table and we as a community get drawn to this place where we say, we come to eat and fellowship with him. And actually he provides he provides in and of himself to say, there's food at this table for you.
If you're hungry and you're thirsty, come to me and eat and drink and be satisfied. Because Jesus is always about drawing people into a community and he does it through communion with himself. Jesus says, come to me, receive, receive all that I have for you. And as you do, you get drawn into this community of believers where then you find that actually you have space to express yourself as an individual, but you find the the purposes of God get shown in and through us as a collective group of individuals bringing praise and glory and adoration to our King. Just want to read through like a little bit before we do so. So Keith, I think there's a couple of slides that are just on here. I just want to, I want to give you this little idea that why is there this, this desire for connection? And it should just walk through on these little points. So it basically says, this is the reason ultimately why I think we're created for, we, we, we're desiring connection in our lives is because number one, we are created by God. That's what the very beginning of the Bible says, Genesis 1. And because we're created by God, this immediately implies there is one who is the source of our life because someone created us. There is one who has given us the gift of life together. The second step, the reason I think that we're made for connection and we desire it so much, is because, secondly, we're made in God's image. That's in one Genesis as well. And because we're made in God's image, that means two things to us. It means there is a sense in which we're a bit insignificant because we're only images and we're not divine. That's interesting, isn't it? We sort of think, oh, maybe sometimes I do wrestle with insignificance. Because someone else created me and I'm just a reflection. But at the same time, we have a unique significance, a sense of royalty even, because we are images of God's. That is a massive thing that gets missed when you take God out of the equation in trying to make big moral decisions in our society. Because all of a sudden you say, well, don't matter, you, do, you don't reflect God, you're just another person of value. You are just a collection of atoms which aren't really worth very much ultimately. You know, the flesh and blood isn't really worth very much. But something deep in us says, no, no, every life is sacred. Every life is precious. Why? Because we are image bearers of God himself. We have genuine dignity, but it's defined by us being creatures and not the creator. That's an all right thing to accept. We're creatures, not the creator himself. Therefore, we can respond to the one who has created us. Third thing that, we, that means that we want connection is because we're created from the earth. That's what the name Adam means in Genesis 2. Therefore, we can affirm our desires for connection with everything around us and our affinity for the natural world. Why? Because we're part of it. That is why Disney films get obsessed with wanting to connect with nature and the world outside because we're part of this world. We're not disconnected from it. We're not one day going to be able to jump in rockets and just say, oh, we'll leave the world behind and we'll live on another world. That's not the way it works. We are deeply connected to this planet and that's why we care about it. Because we're part of the earth. We're made from the earth itself. And we have this connection with the world around us. Fourthly, we are created for relationships. Not only with creation in general, but with other human beings in particular. Being alone is not our natural state. It's not good for us. However, our relationships with creation and with other human beings only make sense in the context of our relationship with God's when they are regarded as gifts from him. When we recognise that all of these relationships with him are gifts from God, he's created us for purpose, for connection with other people. And finally, the fifth one, we are created with a purpose. We are created to make a home for ourselves together. We're created to use God's blueprint 
but with God-given creativity. We are God's image bearers. We are speakers, we're makers, we build culture with others who share with us our ultimate love and our ultimate desire. The summary of it is this. Humans were created to be dependent, dignified, responsible, and therefore also accountable. Wow, that's, that's deep. That's quite deep thinking there that's going on. But it ultimately tells us, I'm created to be connected to people. I'm not meant to be an island just floating through this life on my own. I've been made in that exact way. That's the way that God put the blueprint together. I'm meant to show dignity to the people around me. That's one of the saddest things that COVID robbed us of, is sometimes dignity and death. I love the fact that I could get to be with Libby a few days before she died. But the saddest moment was when you felt that people were dying on their own. There were incredible stories of nurses that were going to hospitals and just sit and hold hands of strangers that they didn't know on behalf of families to make sure they were with them. And why does that resonate in us? Because we're created to show dignity to people. And that is sad. When dignity gets robbed, you realise you're robbing something of the way that God's created things to be. But because we're created to be dependent, dignified, we're also responsible. God gives us this kind of mandate to say, care for my creation, care for one another, love one another, welcome people into community, and ultimately we're held accountable for it as well. There's a moment in which we will give an account for the things that we have done before God himself. Say, this is the way that we chose to live our lives. This is the way that we loved you and that we loved people that were around us and that we drew people into community with one another. And that's all right, because that's not the Disney gospel, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says to us, I've made you with purpose and intention. I've made you as an individual. I've made you to be connected to others. And I not only ask you and call you to do it, I actually empower you to live this way. And that's how I'm going to land as we come to this, because it's all about receiving power. Now this is, it hasn't really worked to be honest, it's a bit rubbish, but we'll try. There is, there's a brilliant Spurgeon, so Charles Spurgeon was a preacher, um, sort of in the 1800s, and he does this brilliant sermon called The Magnetic Person of Jesus. I can't even get him off this magnet. Um, But the whole idea is that he says that actually Jesus is the magnetic person that we come to. And, you know, in here at the bottom, oh gosh, there you are. Like, immediately, Jesus just draws people to be connected to himself. And I tried, Chris tried really, really hard for me, and I don't think it's really worked. But you'll have to just understand the idea. Is that going to blow up that battery? Oh, no. Magnets are dangerous, aren't they? Okay. Um, But this, if it was working, is an electromagnet. An electromagnet is when, I kind of wanted to do it because it's a science experiment, but you wrap, like, copper wire around the outside of this bolt and then when you connect the bolt to a battery it will then become magnetic if you remember this science lesson I don't know if you remember them I, we had a really impressive big machine that did it and I couldn't source one um, but anyway so when you connect this to a battery all of a sudden this becomes magnetic in itself now the bolt isn't magnetic until you connect it to a source of power and then once you connect it to the battery itself it it makes the the bolt become a magnetic thing in and of itself and then it draws others but the second you disconnect it from its power source it loses its 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 magnetism you see there's this little part of it where actually i know that in our lives and as a community as a church the only way that we remain magnetic the only way that we ever remain a place where people long to connect with one another and to connect to god is to stay connected to our source of power 
It's the only way it happens. You turn the power off, we ain't magnetic. You turn the power off, and all we've got is a big old, you know, old carpet warehouse that used to be here. Or maybe we've got a few people wearing blue t-shirts smiling on a door. Or maybe the coffee that's not quite as good as other people's. We haven't even got coffee at the moment, but you know, coffee's, that doesn't connect us. Welcome teams don't connect us. Car parking teams don't connect us. Good coffee doesn't connect us. Supporting the same football team doesn't connect us. Voting for the same political party does not connect us. You know, our demographic of life, our life experiences, none of these things connect us. The things that connect us is the magnetic person of Jesus. And then the best is that you don't have to try for that. Just stay connected to the source of power himself. You stay connected to Christ. And as a church community, that's what we're going to do. We're going to stay connected to Jesus. We're going to make in the very center of all we do, all we speak about, all we sing about, all we rejoice in. Why? Because in and through him, we become magnetic people. We get empowered by the Spirit of God, the helper that Jesus sends on our behalf, and the Holy Spirit now works in us to cause us to become magnetic in all that we say and all that we do. And actually, that's what, if you read John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Here you go. I haven't got my glasses on, so I'm going to have to read it from here. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, it's like turning the the electromagnet off. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into fire and burns. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Think there's a little bit more? Is there anything more in there? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. But these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for us. And he invites us to be connected to him and therefore empowered by him to live lives to his glory and to his fame. It's an amazing gospel. We're going to break bread with each other. And what I'd love you to do is, do you want to just turn around and say hi to the people around you? Come on, it's a bit quiet in here at the moment. Just say hello. Okay, and now you've said hi to each other. If If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus... It's at this moment that we do, that we're just going to finish our meeting by breaking bread. And so we've got bread and wine with us and we're going to thank him that he is our source of life, that we're connected to him. If you're not a Christian, that's fine. Just, you don't need to participate in this bit. This is for us as Christians to be doing. But you can just chat to the people that you're with. It doesn't need to go deadly silent now because those people that you've said hi to, why don't you actually break bread with them now? So if you're Christians, you could break bread and start to pray and just say thank you to God for what he's done on our behalf. Thank you for the connection that we have with him. Thank you for the connection, therefore, that we have with one another. Because no one got Morrison's bread and no one got Waitrose bread this morning. There wasn't a differentiation between whether you got the cheap stuff or the good stuff. No one, no one got that. We all got the same drink. We all got the same bits of bread because we come collectively on the same level as one another as created beings before our created God. And we thank him for what he's done on our behalf. 
So just pray with each other now. Thank God. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to finish our meeting in just a second. It's great.